Welcome to Talent Hub Talk. I am Ben Duncan, and this is a place where prominent and inspirational figures from both the local ANZ and global Salesforce Ohana share their stories. In today's episode, I am delighted to be joined by Shereu Sable and Emily McCowan, two experienced Salesforce architects working with Salesforce partners based in Melbourne, Australia. Shereu is a Salesforce certified technical architect, and Emily is currently on her journey to CTA, studying and preparing for the review board. Shereu and Emily are both parents, and as a new parent myself, I was keen to understand how they balance their busy work and demanding project schedule with their family life. We talk about consulting, boundaries, guilt, prioritization, and sacrifices. I hope you enjoy the episode. And if you do, please do subscribe for future episodes that are coming through. Shireu and Emily, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, nice to be with you, Ben. Thanks, Ben. Nice to be here. I'm really pleased to have you both. I think we've spoken separately as having you both as guests in the past, probably over the last few years. So it's great to have you both here and to talk about both your journeys, but also the topic of being a parent in the Salesforce ecosystem and I guess juggling life at home with a busy work schedule. So before we delve into all of that, if we look at um, your careers and a bit more about you and your backgrounds. So Emily, if we're starting with you, can you tell us a bit about your journey so far into Salesforce and the kind of roles you've held? Yeah, sure. I have the real traditional accidental admin kind of story. Um, I started at Flight Center New Zealand back in 2010. I was fresh out of university, um, taking on a role as a database administrator. I didn't realize that the database I would be administering was Salesforce. So someone gave me a Salesforce admin login and my first question was, what is Salesforce? So since then, I went on some admin training. I started building declarative solutions. I then took on a BA role. I also have tried my hand at the partner side versus a consultant. Then I worked for a while at Scheduler as a project manager and solution architect. And now I'm back in the world of uh, systems integration consulting as a senior solution architect. So I've kind of tried most roles that there are out there in the Salesforce ecosystem. I have even written a handful of lines of code, which are in a production org somewhere. (laughs) You haven't seen them in a while, though? No, not for a while. (laughs) Those lines of code, you won't go back looking for them? No, no, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And Sheree, what about yourself? So I don't think I've had an uh, interesting journey like Emily, very typical career journey. So I did my engineering and then uh, started as a Java developer, did that for around five years and uh, got asked by the same organization. They were starting a new practice around Salesforce, so got asked by my manager to join it and I did it. It was a pretty smooth transition given the similarities between at least the programming languages. So started again my career as a Salesforce developer, moved to a technical lead. I was offshore in India, but then I moved to the US and Australia. So got more into those consulting kind of roles and more client facing roles. And then I've had a focus on architecture for the last few years. Yeah, nice. And you both are working in the SI world right now, so working for partners. What is it that you both enjoy about that kind of world? Um, because Sheree, you've been in the partner world for you know most of your career now. And Emily, obviously, you've dipped in and out. So Sheree, what's exciting about working for a partner and also what's challenging about it? 
So I think working in the consulting space, the most, the thing that I love about the job is solving client business challenges. So when you create a solution and you see an existing process, a challenging process becoming more efficient or solving a client problem, that's really rewarding. It makes the job really interesting. Uh, what I also specifically love working on the Salesforce platform is it's constantly changing, right? The new products, new features that are getting added. So that really keeps it interesting. And the challenging part for me is understanding a client's domain or industry. So before you even go and solution or architect or solve the problem, understanding the domain and industry is the most challenging part. So if you've never worked with a telco client, understanding that industry domain is the most challenging part of the job. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Emily, obviously, like I said, you've worked on the partner side, you've worked for a customer, you've worked with product companies. So I guess you have a quite a unique view of the different work types and what's good and bad about the different types of environment. So what is it that has made you stay in consulting and um, I guess thrive in consulting? So I guess the thing that I like the most is variety, which I guess my career path uh, kind of shows that so far. And I think in consulting, you get such a wide range of different industries, different use cases, different problems to solve. So I really enjoy that. I really enjoy solving problems, especially with a team and going from that start point of figuring out, okay, what is the problem or are the problems that we're trying to solve here and seeing it all the way through to some happy end users at the end is really rewarding. In terms of challenging aspects of the role, there's always project crunch at some point and it can be physically demanding. It also demands that your family give you a lot of support. So it's hard during those times for me and for the people around me. But it's also really quite team building. It's quite fun to know that we're all in it together and, you know, when we are successful at the end, we made it. I think the hardest part for me is managing expectations because I want to solve all the problems. I want to say yes to everything that a client is asking for, but there's always limited time, limited budget, limited people, and you have to prioritize, make sure you're delivering the most business value and you have to say no sometimes, which is tough. So there is a perception, and you touched on that with Project Crunch, but there's a perception in the industry, and I think um, it's quite like a, maybe it's been a perception for many years. Of, I think when people think of consultants, people often think of you know living out of a suitcase, traveling from city to city to deliver projects. You know, that's not common in Australia, at least. I know it's more common, or at least was more common in the US before COVID. But do you think the perception of long hours, stressful projects you know, heightened stress levels um, in consulting in comparison to other work types is, is a fair, you know, observation from people or is it misaligned to the realities of consulting? Well, I think it's actually IT as an industry that has this kind of um, pattern of peaks and troughs. You're just going to have long hours and stress sometimes baked in if you're working on any kind of a project. I think that project crunch is unavoidable, but my clients are usually along for the ride with me. So they're involved in demanding UAT phases. Often there's a couple of client team members involved in evening or weekend deployments. So I think customers do experience it too. It's probably more common on the consulting side because you go from project to project. You don't have as much of that maintenance phase. But yeah, I don't think that it's only consultants that experience it. And, and Jure, with yourself, obviously, you're now a certified technical architect. You're one of the more senior members in the, the partner that you work for. So do you find that that project to project is fairly consistent? Like, do you get downtime in between projects or are you, you know, bouncing from one project to another because you're at the level that is requiring that to deliver the, the scale of projects that you're working on? 
Yeah, I think uh, very similar to what Emily said, right, that you will have days or weeks where you are working towards a critical assignment or a deadline and they're really, it's really stressful and you're putting in those long hours. But then there are days where you're a bit more relaxed at work and you can focus at home and personally and you're a bit more relaxed. So I think I also feel it's possibly an individual's choice, right? You need to set your own boundaries about how much more time you want to put in, how many extra hours you have put in. Honestly, for me, I'm not a very typical nine to five person. I like don't really shut down off work at five. I do like working sometimes early morning or late night, but that's by choice. But um, I think any industry, you would go through these long hours and stressful moments, but then you just have to take some time to reflect. And when there's a downtime, just use that to reflect, prioritize things and then get back at it. Do you, obviously, we touched on the fact that this is, we're going to cover the role of a parent as well and how that kind of impacts the role of a Salesforce professional or an IT professional. But with yourselves, obviously, specifically in the architecture space, you know, as a new parent, I found flexibility is just a must have for me. You know, being able to help out at home, I work from home. I think my situation is quite unique in that I'm self-employed and I have a lot of flexibility anyway. So I feel I'm very fortunate in that sense. But do you feel that the role of an architect is one of the more challenging roles that you can have as a parent because you kind of have to be across everything and you're responsible, right, for the ultimate outcome of a project? So is there ever a time on a project where you're not kind of on call or, um, you know, needed at times just be able to drop everything and be available? I think... It's not really any harder or easier than any other kind of senior role within project delivery. Ultimately, what it comes down to is do you have a team that understands and and will support that for you? Because as I'm sure you both know, sometimes your kids get sick, sometimes you have a really bad night's sleep and you just can't be fully there. You need to prioritise family or your own health sometimes. So I think it's it's challenging being a parent and working kind of no matter what role you're doing. I don't think that it's that much harder for us as an architect. It also kind of leans into what Shari was saying about having to set boundaries for yourself, whether you're a parent or not. Generally, once you get to that architect role, you've kind of tasted a few different aspects of project delivery, right? You, you know how things work. Just because you can do a thing doesn't mean that you should. So you need to be able to um, communicate with your team, understand who you're going to delegate to and know that they're going to support you through that. Shreya, you mentioned not being a, a typical nine to five person. Like, is that by design? Um, as in, have you been able to kind of set those boundaries that you'll deliver an outcome and, and you know, it's the client that's working with you, your managers, your peers, your team can expect you to deliver that outcome, but your boundary is that, you'll do that within the hours that work best for you? Is that kind of how that works or has it kind of just evolved into being like that? No, I think it's just evolved. Like I don't, I really like try to blend both my personal and professional life. Like I just try not set two boundaries because as as I said earlier, right, there will be days where you need to have those long hours and then there are days where you could be a bit more relaxed. So I try not to have a two, two set boundaries, but then... Um, and then the way I look at it is it's a constant juggling act for me between work and family. So I think it's just to decide what are your priorities for the day or for the week and plan ahead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and for yourself, Emily, in terms of the, the kind of boundaries that you've set or that you feel have been important to you to be able to deliver, you know, positive environment at home and a positive environment and outcome on your projects, what do those kind of boundaries look like? I'm I'm pretty ruthless with prioritization and setting my boundaries. 
For instance, I've set up out-of-office blocks during my lunch hour and in those special hours just before work starts and just after work ends during the day when I might be doing daycare drop-off or we've got, you know, daycare pick-up and a very hungry toddler hanging around. So I've actually got it set up so if anyone tries to invite me to meetings during those times, they'll automatically get a decline and in special cases I will shuffle things around and then go back and say actually I can make this work because it's it's something that needs to be prioritized. Pre-parenthood I really didn't mind working long hours. I think when you're in this kind of consulting industry tend to be people who are a little bit addicted to work really enjoy the hard work and the challenges. So I would work evenings, I would work weekends, I would work early mornings. I remember supporting some you know east coast US implementations it was a very early start but now you know, I've got a little girl who's waiting to spend time with me. I'm always going to want to put her needs before work every single time. It sucks to disappoint a coworker or a client, but disappointing my little girl is, I just can't do it. It's interesting because obviously we've spoken off camera and actually I got one of those uh, declines for your invite and you did um, say this was important. So thank you very much for that. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it's actually, yeah, it's interesting because now that I have a daughter and she's five months old and, um, you know, I know that at six o'clock she has a bath and I need to be available for that. So like I, I don't take phone calls after a certain period of time now, but nothing's changed in terms of my ability to do my job. And, and from externally, no one knows really apart from, you know, people that will see my LinkedIn posts or people that will listen to this that I've now got a child. So for them, like it doesn't necessarily like I'm not delivering any worse service. I'm just not answering my phone after a certain time. But I could have done that years ago. I could have just said, like, I'm going to stop answering my phone after a period of time way before I had a child. But I, you know, I, I prioritized work when actually I could have it wouldn't have changed anything in terms of my service. I, people would have still you know, got a call back. And it's funny that it took for me to have a child to realize I don't have to work all the hours in the day. Uh, just on that one, I also think being a parent has made me more organized, right? I do feel I'm more efficient with my time and I'm a better multitasker because I know I need to do these many things now within this limited time. I look at it as a positive. Like it just, I feel I'm still doing similar things that I used to do before being a parent, but I'm so much more efficient with the things I do. So I think that's definitely what I think being a parent has taught me. Yeah, I'm still struggling with that. <laughs> yeah, I'm still struggling. I'm, I'm just not a natural organizer. And, and like, yeah, just so lucky that my wife is. So she'll plan things and coordinate things. And, you know, if a nappy comes out of the change bag, another one goes in, whereas I definitely wouldn't be doing that. Like, I don't think far ahead. So yeah, my life hasn't evolved to the point where I've become more organized, but I'm hoping it does because uh, that will definitely help me with work if I find that organizational skill. And is that something you've kind of picked up as well, Emily, or have you always been fairly organized? I, yeah, I've always been a little bit um, of an intense planner. I have anxiety and I think that probably plays into that a little bit. But I also think my husband spent about four or five months as the primary carer for our daughter after I went back to work and he got really familiar with how the nappy bag needed to be packed and what would happen if he didn't do it right. So if you're planning to take some dedicated time off, you might pick up those skills then. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Do you ever um, feel any guilt? Obviously, you're juggling two things, right? Do you ever feel any guilt that when you're focusing on one that you should be doing the other? Like as an example, if there was a deployment at the weekend and you couldn't do that deployment because you did have priorities with your family, would you ever feel any guilt about the, the fact that someone else was doing that deployment? Or is that just, you know, that's the realities of juggling two uh, very important things? I do. I feel guilt all the time. But I think that's part of being a parent. You can't do everything and be everything. You're constantly juggling for that balance. 
you just need to kind of learn to live with it, I think, and, and make sure that you over time get the balance right. Sometimes work comes first, make sure family comes first, at least as often. Mm-hmm. And sure. Yeah, I agree. I do feel that there are weeks when, as I said, you're really putting in those long hours and you're not able to spend time. Like I'm not able to spend time with my daughter. Definitely you get that. But I've realized this is going to be a constant thing and you just have to deal with it and handle things as they come. Mm-hmm. Now, one um, you mentioned, Emily, obviously um, your husband was the primary carer, but there would have been a period of time when also you were um, you know, focusing on raising your child in the early days and you weren't working. During that period of time, do you feel the need to continue to keep your ear to the ground on what's happening in the Salesforce world, like you know, new certifications coming out, new features, or are you able just to completely switch off from that world and you know, focus on the main priority, which is obviously family? I didn't really think so much about what was happening in the ecosystem while I was on maternity leave. I had about nine months off. As you both know, having your first child is quite an overwhelming experience. I struggled with some pretty severe postpartum depression as well. So even if I'd wanted to, I really didn't have the headspace to be thinking about what I was missing out on. That said, near the end of my maternity leave, I did pick up a a new certification. I spent a lot of time on the Trailhead mobile app while I was looking after my daughter. It was a little easier to pass that one because I had a lot of real life experience in it. Um, I think also when I came back to work, everything's changing all the time, right? But one of the things that had happened while I was gone was the acquisition of Velocity. And the first major project I got put on was an implementation of public sector solutions using those now called Omni Studio tools. And it was new to a lot of people in Australia, a lot of people in my team. So I wasn't really behind. We were all finding out together. So that was useful. Mm-hmm. And Shiro, with yourself, were you um, a CTA prior to having your first child or after? Oh, prior to. Oh, so you probably needed a break from revision anyway. <laughs> no, yeah, I know. And I didn't feel as much pressure. I think the whole work from, it was the COVID era and work from home was going on. So I did join back within five months. So there was not a lot of break I had between. So I didn't feel a lot of pressure just getting back to work. But I did face some challenges, right? Like before becoming a parent. I had all the time in the world, like other than the project assignments, have a time to do trailheads and certs and read blogs and run events. But after becoming a parent, I realized I didn't have all the time for these extras and plus ones. That's what I think one of the things I learned is to delegate, to start delegating and upskilling others in my team to do these or upskilling others to run the events. So definitely my focus has been on that. And then again, as usual, getting a bit more organized, which allows me to do some of these extra things. So knowing um, how much you have to sacrifice in terms of like the time it takes to study for your CTA journey, I guess what sympathy and um, understanding do you have for people that are balancing that with parenthood now, Shreya? With the CTA journey, I think uh, the key thing is the time commitment you need to have. That's pretty key, right? Especially if you're working full time and then the extra hours you have to put in given it's a pretty intense journey. But I think one of the advice I do give to a lot of candidates I mentor and coach is not to focus so much around the sacrifices and the time commitment. It's a short-term thing. It's a short-term commitment. You're not going to be doing this for years. I know everybody's journey differs. It could be for a year or a bit more. But always focus on the learning part of the journey. When I started doing prep for my CDA, my focus was to enjoy the process. I always give this advice, which is key. A lot of people I've seen, they just shut off from the rest of the world, right? They just focus and then they feel stressed. 
And I just feel that's possibly not the best thing. Just having the right state of mind and enjoying the process is really important. So yeah, definitely that's advice I give to people. Don't stretch so much about the result and just enjoy the part of learning because even if you don't pass the exam, you learn a lot from it that you could use as part of your role. Yeah. And and for someone that's going through that process at the moment, Emily, like obviously that's great advice, but I can imagine it's difficult to focus purely on the the journey and not get caught up on the result, especially when you are balancing, you know, lots going on at home as well. So how's that journey evolving and playing out for you? It's been a weaving and winding journey for me towards CTA. At the moment, I'm in a really dedicated study phase. I think, so Sherry is right. No matter what, if you're taking the CTA seriously, you're going to end up a better architect. I'm finding it really enjoyable to study. There are things that I'm curious about, so I want to learn these, and that helps. When you're doing something that's as big as the CTA, it's something that takes you know, dedication. You have to work at it pretty much every single day. If you were to relax all week or just focus on work and family and then spend, you know, one or both of the weekend days just locking yourself away in the study to do your revision, you're not actually going to have that good of information intake and recall. So I dedicate hours spread out throughout the week. You know, when I wake up in the morning, generally before my husband and daughter, I can spend an hour doing some revision, creating new flashcards in the evening. When my daughter's um, playing, I can do flashcards on my phone uh, and, and do a bit of revision sneakily that way. I do think that balancing CTA plus work plus being a mum and a wife means that you do have to give up some of the really like relaxing fun times. So I don't really socialize a whole lot. I don't spend as much time gaming as I used to. But you don't have to give it all up because sometimes your brain just can't take any more in and you have to give it a rest otherwise you're you're gonna get those diminishing returns on the the time you're investing we also get help wherever we can so with hired cleaners we get family to come and help um, look after our daughter and like sherry says it's temporary hopefully by the end of this year i won't have to do this this level of study anymore fingers crossed and for anyone because i guess not everyone you know is a Salesforce professional, right? So you have family, friends, and people that are outside the ecosystem. And I appreciate, Sheree, you didn't see it as a sacrifice, but saw it as, you know, a a period of time. But how easy is it for other people outside of the ecosystem to understand the, not wanting to call it a sacrifice, but the amount of time that you have to invest into something like this? Because you do kind of take yourself out of those social circles, as Emily mentioned, like she doesn't socialize, she doesn't game as much. She's She is sacrificing to some degree in, in those kind of social and relationships, I guess. So how easy did you find that to explain why you were dedicating so much time to something that potentially people wouldn't understand as much as everyone else in the Salesforce ecosystem? Yeah, so I think, um, as I said, I did it before becoming a parent. So it was much easier for me to just talk to my husband and my family. Like next few months, I'm going to try and focus more or invest a bit of my mornings or my evenings studying or preparing. So I think it wasn't really hard for me. And I think I've been a little bit lucky that I think my preparation went for eight months and I sat the board and um, really humble and fortunate that I passed it. So I think my journey was a little bit not to went on for too long. So yeah, it was just having a chat with family, like this is really important for me and my career. And I think it was easy to communicate uh, it. Yeah. Okay. And um, I guess finally, um, we've all over the last few years experienced working from home and the challenges and the the benefits, I guess, that come with that. But for yourselves, have you found that to be positive and negative or kind of even? 
So Emily, working from home, how has that been for you as an architect and a parent? It's been an absolute blessing. I get more time with my daughter and my husband. When I was, you know, on maternity leave, my husband was also working from home so he could step in when I wasn't coping. I do count myself really lucky, though, to have a loving partner that I'm living with, a comfortable home. We've got multiple studies, so we have space to work from home pretty comfortably. I know that that's a privilege and and not everyone has that. For me, at the moment, I'm going to keep working from home as long as the pandemic is still a thing and my daughter doesn't have a vaccine. But I would love to go back to a hybrid working model one day. I um, have been into the office a couple of times since, you know, coming back into the workforce. And it's wonderful when you get to be around people face to face. But I guess the risk and benefit balance isn't quite there for me yet. Mm-hmm. And Sheree? I think very similar to Emily. It was a blessing for me as well because that helped me join work back quite earlier than I had planned. I joined back in five months after my mat leave, so allowing me to get back to work but also focus on my daughter. But now that things are a bit settling in, I do love the hybrid model. So I like going back to office, meeting colleagues, clients, doing a little bit of in-person workshop and events. But then there are days uh, where I would like to work from home like the one today where we have a pretty chilly, it's pretty cold in Melbourne. I would prefer working from home. So I think I love that hybrid model. It really gives a good balance. Yeah. And I think it's really important for companies to consider, you know, like Emily said, it doesn't work for everyone, right? Working from home, people that, you know, might be in apartments with flatmates and things like that. It's, it's just not going to be preferential, but, um, and having options, right? For everything for people and, and their different situations is so important. And there's so many people online talking about how it's so important for people to you know, be fully remote and all of this thing. But I think that the key is options. I totally agree. So thank you so much. It's been a pleasure uh, catching up with you both. And yeah, obviously, um, great to hear how you balance the two important roles that you have right now. And uh, if anyone is listening and wants to kind of find out a bit more about both of you or you know, pick your brains or ask any questions about how you're balancing uh, everything, where's the best place to hit you both up? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter. I'll get you to share my handle in the podcast notes um, or on LinkedIn. I'm happy to be messaged on there as well. Awesome. And Sheree? Yeah, just connect me on LinkedIn. I'm happy to share. Perfect. Well, thank you both so much. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for having us, Ben. Thank you. So that's a wrap for this week's episode. And thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the chat. And if you did, please make sure you have subscribed for future episodes that are coming through. I would also be very grateful if you would consider leaving a review on your chosen podcast platform as five-star reviews will help us to reach more trailblazers from across the world. I look forward to sharing another episode with you soon and thanks again.